Hello all, and welcome to the latest episode of the Horror Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Don and Ellie, and with me tonight on today, on this show, I'm talking with Ariel Power-Shaub. Hi, thanks for having me. Ah, well, uh, thank you so much for coming on board. This is a, a pretty interesting topic, and I'm glad we get to do this. We're going to be looking at the 2000 torture porn era. So yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be kind of a uh, one that I think will uh, split hairs a little because it's kind of a controversial time in the genre. So uh, this was your pick. So uh, what uh, inspired this topic and uh, what led you to uh, deciding to do this on the show? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is a subgenre that I love, and I think that movies that are called torture porn are often dismissed or even kind of, you know, looked down upon even by other horror fans. It's like, it's the subgenre. It's okay to kind of kick when it's down. Um, and I actually think there's a lot to celebrate in this subgenre. And so I thought it would be fun to talk about some of our favorites, talk about some of the gems of this era and really shine a light on this section of, history in horror that I think doesn't get a lot of attention. Yeah, it's kind of that weird point in time where I, I think a lot of it is just because it kind of got grouped in with that weird remake craze that went on at the same yeah. time where a lot of like the major studios were pumping out like, you know, the J horror remakes. And then, you know, you start getting, you know, the unfortunate stuff like the, fog or the hitcher or um hills have eyes and you know like all that kind of stuff was kind of like the both were like battling for supremacy and it was really kind of a case where it seemed like the remakes won but like did they really so like right. this kind of got i i mean like you, you know a lot of you know you can say for better or worse that you know the remakes took over and became like the prominent parts and then like this kind of died off and went straight to you know the vod's or dvd section at the time but yeah it, it was kind of a weird time where i i know a lot of people are kind of they grew up with this stuff like I, I, a lot of people will associate like rob zombie and james wan and like like those kinds of like Eli Roth as like the filmmakers that they grew up with. And those are kind of like the film, like the major names that they grew up associating with and they're trying to emulate nowadays. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I'm kind of interested as to looking into this because uh, I mean, we were saying earlier, for, the weird thing for me was always with this time period was that associating the term porn to this subgenre was always kind of misleading and it never really seemed appropriate Yep. Yeah, and I, I think that kind of overshadowed a lot of the, the work that kind of went into what goes on here. Right, because it makes it something like you don't even necessarily want to say in a group of people. It's not the same as saying, oh, I love slashers or I love zombie movies or I love vampires. You know, if you're in like a horror meetup group and you're like, I love torture porn, like there's a social... Um, sort of stigma attached to even just saying that. And I do think it's partly because, you know, our society puts porn in this taboo spot, which is topic for a whole other podcast. But like, right. when you're talking about horror movies, it's kind of like the name of the subgenre almost puts it aside on its own and makes people hesitant to talk about it in the first place. And then these movies don't always get brought up. 
Right. And uh, like I said, uh, the one thing for me that always made the the association really kind of feel odd. And I mean, at the time, this was just, you know, my, you know, my uh, still undeveloped brain kind of uh, associating with the topic was that the correlation between how porn worked, or at least how I thought porn worked and how these films worked never really seemed to gel together. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I, I looked at it when at that point in time, and I believed that porn was devoted, porn was divided up into two different subjects. You had what I called the fantasy, and you had what I called the interview. And those were kind of like the styles of porn that were like what I'd seen floating around. Uh, you know, I, I was the kind of person that, you know, did that. And I mean, I'm not going to, you know, you know, I'm not going to be honest about that. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. so you're a normal person. OK, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm going to, you know, admit it that I did. Um, and like I said, I, I associated like those two terms as like the styles that were being developed. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty self-explanatory when I say what they are. Mm-hmm. So interview yeah. is pretty simple. It was basically you get a woman in a location, you strip her down and, you know, you ask questions while she's doing it. How long you been in the industry? How many guys you fucked recently? You know, like what's the biggest dick you've ever taken? You know, the the usual stuff like that. And then the performer normal shows, conversation, right? You know, normal <laughs> conversation like that. The guy shows up. You know, they they start and you know that goes on from there. And then the fantasy was like the scenarios, like you know the the mother that you know the mother goes to the bathroom. She you know sees you taking a what you know taking a leak and you know decides to suck you off and you know, goes from there or, you know, the babysitter that, you know, you decide to screw because she sees her bending over too many times or, you know, like actually acting for like, you know, five to six minutes. And then, you know, it leads to the sex and stuff like that. So associating, like extrapolating what went on in like the porn scenes that I were watching and like the horror scenes that these the horror films that this topic was being uh, associated with, there was never any correlation because if you take the, you know, the sex part of porn and then associated that with the torture of the, the horror films, they never really coalesced because it was always like an, an imbalance. Like you had like an hour set up for like, f- like, you know, 10, 15 minutes of torture. Like, you know, some of these films where it's like, you know, I mean, we'll discuss later, but it never really gelled like there was any kind of connection between them. So it just seemed like there was, it was just like this odd thing where you just like, okay, let's just get rid of all this stuff and just lump it out of the way and let's get on with this other stuff and try to like talk about other topics. And it it was just always like a weird thing because I never really understood like why it was attached to that because I mean, most of these films never even really actually showed torture. And I mean, you know, yeah. I I could use films like, you know, the guinea pig films or um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, you know, that would be like actual torture or I, I mean, I, it's not, you know, necessarily out yet. But uh, there's like <clears throat> other films that are much more recent that are much more, you know, like, I mean, Human Centipede would probably be a little bit more closer to like torture porn, where that's like the actual point of the film is just to actually like legitimately sit a person down and torture them instead of like just doing like these ultra graphic and brutal you know other horror films that you know we're going to be discussing tonight so it was always a weird topic and just yeah the, the whole thing just always seemed really weird and off to me so yeah I agree and I like that you brought up the guinea pig films because that's exactly the comparison I would make is like well those films are 
the porn of torture, <laughs> you know, and they have a place in film, certainly. Like, I've never personally seen any of the guinea pig films, not for any particular reason, just because I haven't got around to it, but I, ha I have heard a lot about them. And so I'm like, cool, good for you, guinea pig, do your thing. Um, but mm. I, those are a really different setup than any of the films we're going to talk about tonight. And one of the films on my list, I think, um, it, you know, was, was one of the first films to be called torture porn. And it's just a critic said it once and it's stuck. And so it's like, that could happen with, I mean, I think that's what happened with New French Extremity. I think somebody said that and it just stuck. Like, how do these phrases become phrases? They just sort of catch on. So somebody said torture porn. We didn't really have a, another way to call this subgenre at the time. And because it, you know, you want to say it didn't have a lot of mainstream appeal, but look how much money some of these movies made. So we'll get into it. But I agree with you. Like, these movies don't really have anything to do with porn and you know, if Pornhub has showed us anything, it's that anything can be porn. But that's not what these movies are. Right. Yeah, that's uh, not exactly the uh, conversation at hand. But no. um, <laughs> yeah. <Different> podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, I think without uh, any further ado, let's uh, get into um, our list. So yes. any preference for who goes first? Or... I'll go first just because. I'm excited. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, take the lead. So uh, it's going to be a little spoiler for my list, but I want to tell you up front, I had a couple rules for myself. So I picked movies from the 2000s. So I limited myself to that decade. I think we had talked about that. Um, but I also only included English language movies. I didn't include any new French extremity or any Japanese gore wave just because I sort of think of those differently. And there's certainly an argument to include them in this conversation and I don't wanna exclude them. I just kind of tried to stretch for other types of movies for this conversation. So with that in mind, my number 10 from 2005 is Eli Roth's Hostel. And I mean, you can't talk about torture porn without talking about Hostel. It is, as far as I can find, it's the first film to be called torture porn in writing in a 2007 article by David Edelstein in New York Magazine. And for me personally, I don't love this movie. I really love the last act when it gets really violent and nasty. I think the first couple acts of the movie are kind of boring and I I don't really like the characters very much, so there's not a lot for me to hold on to. But I appreciate this movie because I do think a lot of the other films that kind of come later in the decade owe a lot to it. So that's why I picked Hostel. Nice, yeah. Um, the original is an honorable mention for um, for okay. exactly the reasons you brought up, I, I don't like the first two acts. Those guys are just the most obnoxious, completely unlikable guys. And I was around guys like that in college. Mm -hmm. I knew people that were pretty much like that. And it just absolutely ruined the, the experience for me the first time I saw it. Because yeah. I saw so many people around me that acted exactly like them who were basically just the most narcissistic completely self-centered assholes that were just looking to score with the hottest woman that they found that night. And everything else was completely irrelevant. 
and it, it kind of just makes the the first half just really unpleasant just because yeah you see so many obvious signs if they weren't you know like so horny that you know it would be like a complete like flashing red signs like stop what you're doing get away yeah but i i, I do love the third the third act that you know that's like you know it's like the so real like good. Yeah, there's some really gruesome and harrowing scenes in there. Um, the Japanese girl is completely heartbreaking, and what happens yep. to her is just equally as much. So, yeah, um, it, it does have its elements. It's an honorable mention, just you know, like, you know, for historical value, but... Yeah. It, yeah, it, I, I just, I have such a hard time with that first two-thirds of it. It doesn't really elevate itself enough for me to put it on the list, but like I said, for historical significance, um, I, I do have it as an honorable mention. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, we'll move on to uh, my number 10. This is kind of an odd one, and uh, you know, I, I say this on many shows. I mean, those who know me know that I go off the beaten path and I pick, you know, <laughs> under-the-radar stuff. So uh, my number 10, I went with Captivity. And yes. this is one that, uh, yeah, I, I never saw much talked about. And <clears throat> it's kind of funny. We talk about, you know, like the, you know, majority of these torture porn films weren't about like the actual torture. And, you know, this is ironically one of the ones that is. And that's kind of one <laughs> of the, is, you know, yeah, yeah it, it actually is one of the ones that is legitimately about torture. And uh, yeah, for um, those that haven't seen it, um, it's basically a supermodel who gets abducted after a party and finds herself just tortured and, you know, mutilated for the satisfaction of uh, this unseen host who puts her through all these tests. And eventually she comes to find out that there's this hidden meaning behind all of the torture, which, you know, I'm not going to spoil because I did. I, I, I actually do like you to, to to see it if you're interested because it actually is a pretty well-made movie. Um, a lot of the traps in here are so very Saw-esque that you know they seem like rejected ideas cobbled together to form this new film. <laughs> but the the thing is, is that it, you know the Saw series was already so high to begin with that rejected ideas make it seem like that you know they're actually pretty gruesome and terrifying in real life. And some of the scenes that goes on here, um, particularly the acid trap, is uh, pretty. Yeah, that's really well done, and I I, yes. I really like the way that 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 particular sequence plays out. Um, and it probably would have actually even worked just as well in like a traditional Saw movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the there's a, a weird secondary storyline where the police officer is trying to you know solve the mystery of her disappearance and trying to you know like save her before it's too late but yeah the the majority of the film is like her being stuck in a dungeon and being trapped and tortured and you know like her her desperate race for survive for escape essentially so yeah it's it's better than you think like i said it feels very 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 much like a rejected saw idea but it's actually a pretty decent and enjoyable film if you give it a chance so yeah um number 10 for me is captivity that's a great pick um yeah i think that movie is it well it really blew away my expectations i didn't go in expecting much and as I, you know, it's no secret, I'm a huge fan of every single Saw movie. So any rejected Saw idea style movie, I'm probably going to like. So good shout. Good pick. All right. So, yeah, number nine. Number nine. So for number nine, I picked the 2008 film by Darren Lynn Bousman, Repo the Genetic Opera. 
And this is a film, you know, it, okay, so first of all, it's a musical, and so some people are going to totally just not want to watch it based on that, which I understand. But it has the look, the grittiness, the violence, the nastiness, the nihilism that absolutely make it appropriate to talk about in the torture porn conversation. It really fits the vibe of the time. It's about a future where you can pay for surgeries, either elective ones or ones you might need to survive on credit. But if you don't pay your bill, the repo man comes and takes your body parts back. And then it's a musical. So like it's got this irreverence to it while it's talking about this nasty, horrible thing that's happening. And it is quite torturous because, you know, the, the repo man is opening people up and ripping out their organs. Um, it's got Paris Hilton and, you know, she was in House of Wax around the same time, too. So, like, people were enjoying her in these kinds of films. And Darren Lynn Bousman also directed several of the Saw films. So there's a connection there that really ties it to the subgenre. So that's why I put it at number nine. I think it deserves a place in the conversation. Nice. Um, I saw it for the first time a few years ago, and I enjoyed it. But it was, like you said, it was kind of hard to like get past like the the musical aspect because it's fair enough. Con- yeah, it's just like the constant dialogue, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not averse to musicals. I, I, I've seen a few, but um, I, I usually prefer like dialogue in between, and every line of dialogue is spoken through song, so that was kind of a little off-putting. Mm-hmm. But I, I do agree on the visuals. I, I do love the atmosphere that this sets up. I love the, the setup with the um the corporation and how the whole thing works where it's designed to you know screw people over essentially where they'll sign anything off but yet you nobody they're too poor to afford it to begin with so of course the guy's gonna come back and repo them it's like you know duh what do you expect but mm-hmm. yeah i i love that take on it i love i love the brutality the gore scenes are fantastic some of the you know you know dismemberments and you know you know dismemberments and disfigurements god that's such a tongue twister (laughs) uh some of that stuff is uh, pretty well done and i actually really like some of the you know the gags that go on in here so um yeah yeah, it's not on my list but i i i do see the appeal of it I, i i do understand it so yeah it's it's not a bad one yeah yeah um so my number nine uh, again kind of you, you know another under the, the radar pick um another one that i don't think a lot have seen uh mostly because it wasn't a theatrical release this was one that i think went uh straight to tv i i, I don't remember for sure but i remember seeing it on chiller tv and mm-hmm. yeah i i don't remember um if it had a release before that but that was the first place i saw it and it was like kind of right around like right after the I I seen it released like the IMDb says it's 2009 I probably saw it in like 2010 on Chiller TV so it's kind of like right around there but I went with a film called Hunger mm-hmm. and yeah um, like I said uh, not one that I think a lot of seen but uh, essentially the idea is a uh, group of people wake up in this uh, basement uh, they're uh, they're chained to the walls. And they find themselves being forced to undergo an experiment in uh, food uh, deprivation. So they basically are being for they're like forced to starve themselves. And 
and they they're forced to go through challenges one the winner will get a small slice of food and then the others are starved and the whole idea is it's like you know how long does it take before like human instinct and you know like natural preservation and you know like the feral nature of human society human uh, consciousness is going to take hold and how long it's going to you know affect others so it's yeah. it's a little it's a little talky it's kind of long i think it's like the longest one here it's like nearly an hour and 50 minutes or something like that but yeah it's still really good and i like where it goes where it's psychological rather than just you know like the majority of these films are just you know like well let's just find devices that are used to just you know dismember the human body and as uncouth as it is i actually do like the central theme of the experiment here in forcing others to starve themselves and to you know like find the line to where feralness and like the, the, the old school human like caveman mentality is going to come out and like where's the the line between all that and under ethical hands i can see this kind of thing being done but you know you you put it in like the hands of these kinds of people and you know you get a film like this so yeah it's kind of a, a fun little topic and I, I really appreciate where it goes it does have a brutal final act, uh, you know, when mm -hmm. it, everything comes together and like the, the gore gags and everybody comes, you know, like their savageness comes out. So it does have some of those elements. Just like I said, it's kind of like on the long side. So it's not one where I really go to it often. But uh, if you're into this, um, it's definitely worthwhile and uh, has some moments going for it. So uh, number nine is Hunger. And I would agree. It is worth watching. It's it's not one of my favorites, and spoilers, it's not on my list. But um, it's a really good point you made about the fact that it's psychological torture. I mean, it's physical as well in that they're starving, but it's not, you know, cut your hand off to survive or whatever, like a lot of these movies will have. So, um, yeah, it felt a little slow to me when I watched it. And also, I am just, like, specifically freaked out by by hunger, by starving. Like that just happens to be one of the things that really freaks me out. So this wasn't one of my favorites, but it is absolutely worth being in this conversation because it is an excellent study and how how far will you go to survive, which is a lot of these movies. Indeed. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll move on to number eight. Okay. So in number eight, I had 2003's House of a Thousand Corpses, directed by Rob Zombie. This movie doesn't need any explanation, but I'll, I'll give one anyway. Um, so it's on this list because I think it's, ti it's timeless in a way, but it's also such a time capsule of the genre. I think Rob Zombie can't help but make a nasty film. And there's really good body horror in this because... Um, it's kind of like a really nasty Texas Chainsaw remake without being called that. I mean, it's not, but it kind of is. And what the family do is doing, the Firefly family in this case, instead of the Sawyer family, what the Fireflies are doing are taking people and turning their bodies into like sideshows. And there are some really excellent tableaus of their victims. Like I just, I only need to say fish boy and you know what I mean. And there's a scene where um, a couple people open up a shed and discover displayed bodies of some victims 
who have been there for quite a while. And so th there's a trunk shot where they find a body in a trunk. And so I think, um, you know, overall, overall, the whole vibe of the movie goes a lot of different places while you're on this journey with these people, but it's a fucked up family trapping victims for fun and it looks great and it's gory and nasty. So it's my number eight. Nice. Um, yeah, it's weird one for me in that I I like it, but I'm always put off by it just being so blatantly uh, Texas Chainsaw homage. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that's always been like the one uh, thing for me. Um, it, it, it's still very good, and I, I still like aspects of it, but um, I have a different Rob Zombie film, and uh, we'll discuss that later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, for me, my number eight, uh, another one that uh, kind of got lost in the shuffle, but I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, these um, these last three here, um, probably interchangeable for me on any given day. I um, almost forgot to mention that, but um, I can do it now since these are like the three. Um, so, yeah, um, any of these I can switch up. But um, at the moment, uh, my number eight is Turistas. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I always really like this. I always thought the premise to this was pretty interesting. Um, the idea of these people on vacation being stranded in the wilderness and then just happen to stumble upon this organization in the woods that runs this organ harvesting uh, ring and them being targeted and used for like the next round of uh, victims for like various medical experiments and all this kind of stuff. It like you said, it, it touches on real world stuff because I, I've heard of this stuff happening. Um, lots of, mm -hmm. you know, Lots of people go missing and, you know, they, they wind up in, you know, all these various locales and, you know, it turns out that, you know, a couple of months later, you know, there's this organ smuggling ring that gets discovered in the same area. So kind of easy to, you know, put two and two together. So, yeah, yeah, I like the way that it plays off that. I love the first half here where you get all the various, like, backstories on the various group members and the tour, you know, this trip. It kind of, you know, it's like the stereotypical, like everybody's just there to, you know, like relax and have fun and like just take in the sights and, you know, like everybody, you know, like they do walls, explorers and, you know, go hiking on these trails and, you know, like meet the locals and these like these weird mountain villages. But when this thing gets going in the final act and it starts in with uh, the, them trying to escape from the, the torture thing, I, I really like this. And it has some uh, pretty chilling sequences, some uh some scenes where they're uh, carving in on the bodies and they're knocked out or not they're just interested in taking the organs out as fast as they can which i, I mean that's kind of like a, a really under the under like under the radar kind of fear where a lot of people have like you know waking up under surgery and you know you see yeah. themselves being operated on so um i really like that it kind of plays with that um, wish that it had done a little bit more because I think there it takes a little too long with the travelogue stuff in the first act. But um, I, I love like the the second half is kind of uh, like the melding pot between the two where they start disappearing and they don't know why. And there's this you know like you see like small little bits of it happening where they they torture some of the victims in the cabin, but you don't know where it's happening and you don't know who's doing it. And then in the third act, it all comes together and you like every scene, everything meshes together. But yeah, it was kind of one that kind of got lost. Um, it was never really like that big of a hit and I never really got it because it kind of fit all the boxes that it kind of was associated with at the time. Like it was always, you know, it, it was brutal enough. It had like a couple of big stars 
you know, it looked good. It, like there was like a professional slickness to it that um, the other two had um, as well. But yeah, I always really liked this one and, and never really understood why it kind of got swept under the radar. So yeah, my yeah. number eight. Yeah, my number eight is Turistas. That's a that's a good one. Um, there was such a good run of like vacations gone wrong movies, and I think Turistas is a great example of that. In addition to like the really you, you, like the darkness in the movie, it also has really beautiful shots of the outdoor scenery. Um, like they're wandering through the forest and there's like beautiful caves and trees. And then like, we'll intercut that with shots of a doctor cutting open a lot an awake, alive person. And it really just sort of gives you this like jarring, like you can't settle into one feeling or the other. It's a unique movie. Yeah. Like I said, it was one that I never really understood why it kind of got swept under the radar. So, yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, move on to number seven. Yes. Okay, well, speaking of Texas Chainsaw remakes, my number seven is 2003's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by Marcus Nispel. Um, I like this movie. It's violent. It's nasty. It's brutal. It, of course, I love the original. You cannot replace, you know, the 1974's Chainsaw Massacre. Like, you can't. But I like what this movie did and how it leaned into the time period. It's a lot more sexualized than the original. And I do think it's earlier in the decade. And so there's so many remakes to come later in the decade. I think it really set the tone for like, okay, we're going to remake a bunch of classic horror movies, particularly slashers, but we got to make them really, really nasty. And then that's what the kind of the rest of the decade did. So I think a lot of movies owe a lot to this. And I just think it's fun to watch. Yeah, that uh, will be talked about at a later time because that's <laughs> on my list as well. Awesome. So uh, moving on to my number seven. Um, I probably could have gone with uh, any entry in this series um this is um a franchise entry which may give it away but uh i could have gone with anyone but um the one that i chose is uh, saw three mm. and yeah. uh yeah to me this is probably my favorites um i'm not really comfortable with four through six and four through six kind of blend together for me um i i, I I, I misappropriate traps and storyline uh, revelations in film in each of the films, so the, those three those three in particular uh, get kind of wonky in my head, and um, I, I probably would need like a, a, a full complete like back to back franchise retro to sort everything out. But out of the three that I the, the main three that I, I actually do remember, I always really enjoyed three, and it, three has I think a lot of like the pinnacle of where every one of the the torture porn kind of films uh came from where it's all about how big and how bad the traps are and some of the stuff in here is maybe far too um grandiose and like spectacular for a person to build especially you know how they you know they always say that you know kramer was you know near death and like you you know mm -hmm. riddled with cancer and it's like 
yeah, as a guy that in that kind of condition, you know, no matter how great of an engineer he is, is he going to be able to build something this grandiose? But uh, you know, if you you know look past all that, uh, this is a, still really fun. Um, the central storyline where the nurse is trying to keep her alive under duress. You know, she's trying to you know, she's forced to treat to treat to train and keep him alive. And you still have all the other, you know, traps along the sidelines where you're, you know, forced to, you know, release your arms from this spinner that, you know, cracks them at unnatural angles Ooh. or yeah. the, uh, yeah, the angel wing one where they, you know, like the ones yeah. attached to your sides. Um, yeah, there's uh, some pretty big highlights in here that uh, I, I think kind of, you know, like showcase like the, the escalating nature of how improper, uh, prominent those became in the franchise. Two had some fun ones. Um, I, I really like two as well. It's kind of a little underwhelming just because I think the ending twist to there never really fits where fits in with the franchise for me. It's always been the one where I never really liked the twist to it. And one never really fully delves into it because it's so new into the genre that it hadn't even been coined yet. So it doesn't have all of the trappings. So for me, I think three is the one that kind of epitomizes everything because it's the first one in the franchise where it's all about how big and how bad the traps are. And mm -hmm. uh, that's why I have it at number seven. I mean, I think that's a great pick. <laughs> I love the Saw franchise. It's no secret. Um, yeah, I don't consider the first one a torture porn film. I think it's just different enough. Uh, but the, the the franchise definitely goes there. And Saw 3 is excellent. It has a wonderful ending. I won't spoil it for anybody, but it rips your heart out. And um, it's the last one that James Wan and Lee Whannell were involved in directly. So it's got a feeling a lot more like the first movie. But it's got those excellent traps, like you said. And... I totally see why four, five, and six kind of blend together for you. They're kind of a story arc of, of another character. And there's so much like, you know, jumping around in timelines in those three movies that I get yeah. that. So three definitely stands out. You could just watch yeah. Saw one through three and be done if you wanted to. I mean, I don't think you should, but you could do it because it's a really yeah. satisfying enough movie. Which is odd you say that because I honestly, I actually like Hoffman more than John. I think Hoffman's a more interesting character. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, so I could derail us. We could just do this for an hour. <laughs> I won't do that uh, to your show. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, like I said, uh, I'm not familiar enough with them beyond that. Um, I, I do say that um, the one thing that I do like about four through six is that I do like Hoffman. And I think yeah. that he's... He, to me, I would probably say he's more interesting than John is, but, uh, you know, at the risk of not being familiar enough with the films individually, it would kind of just be a moot um, discussion. So, yeah. yeah. Anytime you want to revisit that franchise and you want to talk about it, you let me know because I am ready to go. <laughs> Done deal. Um, I think I smell the first episode of the next season. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, with that, let's move on to our number six. Yes. Okay. So number six, I picked an Australian film, and it's from 2009, Sean Burns' The Loved Ones. 
I think when it comes to the torture porn subgenre, Australia can really give the U.S. a run for its money in terms of like the nastiness and the violence that we're looking for. So that's awesome. Um, it's not a Texas Chainsaw remake, but it does have some vibes that remind me of it. There's a really fucked up family. There's a dinner table scene. There's definitely like family gains excitement from torturing others. So there's that, but it's set around this um, high school girl who really wants a date to the school dance. And there's a really nasty family relationship in there. Um, there's a big reveal of some, I really don't want to spoil it, but there's like a reveal of what this family has been doing for a long time. So I just think like, if you haven't seen the loved ones, put that one at the top of your list because it is wild. Yeah, it was almost an honorable mention. Um, okay. I, I didn't think, yeah, it was one I was looking at, but it never really went far enough for me uh, compared to the others. But um, in, in terms of liking it, I, I really enjoy it. It's uh, It's got a really fun uh, streak to it. And uh, some mm -hmm. of the, the scenes in there are pretty chilling. So yeah, um, I I love her. She's one of my favorite like anti heroes kind of a, oh, yeah. if, you know, yeah. She's like really like wacky and over the top, and I yeah, I'm a huge fan of her. So yeah, uh, like I said, it wasn't uh, on my list. It was close, but um, I, I I don't mind the the pick at all. It's a pretty uh, good one. So yeah, um, well, it seems we kind of uh, meshed on this because you went foreign with your number six and uh, I went foreign with my number six. Um, I went with uh, the French extreme version Inside. Ooh, good pick. Yeah, uh, this is one of my favorite films uh, from that time period. And um, I, I understand that I, a lot of people like group like the big four together, you know, high tension, this one, Martyrs and Frontiers, um, yeah. the, the kind of like the, the big four of the, the, the grouping. Um, assorted which one I like the most. Um, I, I do have Frontiers as the lowest, but I, I do have the other three really uh, close together. And out of the three, I think this is the one that maybe is like the most overlooked because I think the 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 central idea in this one here is the most intriguing, but it's the one that's developed the least. And that's like the only real issue I have with it is that the the motivation is just so flimsily um, thrown in and like, you know, 10 minutes before the ending where we get like the revelation of why she was there. It was like, you know, I, I wouldn't have minded if you never said anything. Mm -hmm. And I, that kind of overshadows like all the other good stuff in here because what she goes through in the course of this film is I could not imagine trying to survive in a situation like that. Whereas the fact that not only is she trying to survive, but she's also responsible for another person, you know, right. literally about to be pregnant, you know, like not, not, you know, pregnant, but like literally about to give birth and you know, being forced to like have your hand nailed to a wall with a pair Oof. of scissors or yeah. like, you know, forced to take a knife and, you know, slit your throat open so you can actually breathe or, you know, like being whacked in the head with uh, the soldering, you know, 
iron or something that's like mm-hmm. yeah the, I, I can see why this is like you, you know it, it lives up to the hype of being like one of the most brutal in, entries in the genre and yeah it, it works like i said it's just one where i don't really feel like the motivation should have been given if that was all they're going to do it but yeah everything else about this one i absolutely love the sequences with all the police and you know like everybody that comes in it's like you know yeah you're gonna get them you know they're they're gonna die but it's still fun to like see the interactions and how they're gonna you know like get out of it and how like you know the the whole thing's gonna continue the cat and mouse stuff is really chilling and terrifying and they like handle it really well where you don't really get like the full-on interaction until the end you just get like little Mm -hmm. bits and pieces as she's like trying to survive in the house and trying to you know barricade herself in the bathroom or you know get her you know get to the bedroom where she's safe and all that and yeah it's really fun i really enjoy it it's definitely you know not one for the faint of heart and yeah yeah that that ending is just uh yeah <laughs> leave uh, it to but, the french to just devastate you at the end right exactly yeah <laughs> i love but, it uh, yeah yeah inside is uh like i said it's I, I don't know which of the three is my favorite, but um, yeah, in terms of this one, uh, I have it at number six. Yeah, it's a good pick. That's a movie where even if we explained everything that happened in it, it still wouldn't be the same because watching it is so visceral. Ugh, right. <laughs> okay, so my number five is a franchise entry. And I told myself I could only include two films from this franchise on this list so that I could keep it contained. So number five is 2009's Saw 6, directed by Kevin Grutert. And we talked a little bit about Saw already, obviously, so I I won't make us do that too, too much more. But the thing I love about Saw 6 in particular is that... um, I think one of Saw's, like, the strength of the Saw franchise is when it's doing social commentary and it's doing it well. And I think in 4 and 5, that doesn't work as well for me. But in 6, I really enjoy the social commentary. And, you know, because they're going after an evil health insurance company. But the violence and the traps in 6 are nasty, nasty. So it's like we've reached a new level of social commentary. We've reached a new level of nastiness and traps. I mean, this one has the shotgun carousel. It has the hydrofluoric acid. It has the um, the hanging with the barbed wire. Like, this one's got some good ones. And um, Kevin Grutert, he worked on a lot of the Saw films up until six and then he got a chance to direct six and you can almost feel his excitement coming through in the film of how stoked he was just to be there so um yeah i i think the atmosphere the gritty nasty atmosphere of like the abandoned zoo where the test is taking place is phenomenal so i had to make it my number five um well yeah you know where i stand on this one so (laughs) um Yeah, we'll move on to uh, my number five. Um, Ironically, it's been mentioned already. It's the uh, Texas Chainsaw remake. Um, So get ready for controversy here. Uh, In terms of entertainment value, I like it more than the original. 
Not oh, wow. Controversy. Not better. <laughs> uh, oh, believe me. Um, if you get onto some of my other franchises, uh, I'll, I'll knock your socks off. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's a better film. I, I just, I like it more. And I, I like where a lot, where it goes here, where it, it features the family interacting more and it makes the family mm-hmm. feel much more like a cohesive unit. Whereas in the original, it was just Leatherface and his cronies. And mm-hmm. this one here, you get a full on like family collective and everyone gets to take part. You see Leatherface in the basement, you know, terrorizing the kid, you know, packing sand into his broken leg. You see him hanging the, you know, people up on hooks and chasing them around, you know, with the chainsaw and stuff. And then you get probably my favorite sequence in the entire franchise. I mean, every single sequence in the entire franchise, nothing to me tops Hoyt's interrogation in the van. Oh, it's so good. That is, that is psychological torment on a level I hope to never achieve in my life. (laughs) That's true. I, I mean, I hope to God I do not invoke the rage of someone uh, to that extent ever, because just watching that, I, I, I'm squirming, like just even thinking about it, just the way he tears into somebody. And even though we as an audience know he's not to be trusted, the fact that nobody else does, they're still under the impression that, you know, he's wearing the uniform, he's got the badge. Mm-hmm. They're still under the impression that he's there to help. And then just you see the shift in his eyes and just the doing this and he's doing it for pleasure. Like he's there and he's twisting the knife metaphorically just for his own pleasure. Like it's psychologically undoing him just to, for him to get his rocks off. And mm-hmm. Like I said, we were earlier with with hunger, where it was psychological. The fact that this goes and in, in, incorporates that into like a slasher film, because the rest of the film is just you know a body count film where it's letting you know Leatherface going around knocking people off, but incorporating that into a, a traditional slasher film just gives it a different tone and a different atmosphere, and. You know, like the final half of this is just amazing. I, I love, you know, they, they chase around the house, the you know, and they go out into the barn and they have the the thing, uh, confrontation at the meatpacking plant where she finally gets away. But yeah, this is a lot of fun. And like I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like it more than the original. I don't think it's better. Um, I have some uh, filmmaking um, tactics with it. It's still good. I, I still love that zoom out where you see like the blown open hole in her head and you like zooms out through that that shot is phenomenal yeah i love that but i i do have a few other like you know nitpicky filmmaking flaws with it that kind of lowers it a little but yeah in terms of entertainment value i do like this one a little bit more so yeah um, yeah um my number five is texas chainsaw well, I can't disagree at all with you putting it on this list. I think it's a fun film. Okay, so number four? Yeah, number four. Right, number four. Number four, okay. So for number four, I went back to Australia, and I picked a 2005 film directed by Greg McLean. I picked Wolf Creek. And Wolf Creek 
is based on a real Australian serial killer. So I do want to acknowledge that because I understand that like that could I'm not from Australia, so this could hit me differently if I had had some personal experience with it. Um, I also think it's very loosely based, but I guess I don't know that for sure. The thing I love about Wolf Creek is it's not that there's nowhere to run. There's plenty of places to run. You have the whole outback, but there's nowhere to hide and there's no one to help you. The killer traps his victims by sort of sabotaging their cars and popping up as like, oh, I'm the nice local. I can help you fix your car. Come back to my property. I'll get it fixed up. Uh, You can drive out in the morning. Obviously, he doesn't fix their car and then they become his victims. So it's like you're in the dark. You're in the, you know, the outback. It just stretches on forever and there's no one there to help you. And he really does some nasty tortures in this one. And I just think Wolf Creek is a lot of fun. It's very violent. All right. Um, so I will say this. I'm actually not a fan of Wolf Creek. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think he's fantastic. Everything with him is just amazing. I just find it a little slow. Um, a lot of the, that. you know, yeah, a lot of the first half of this one is just them wandering around like um, the, the outback, just like, the travelogue spots, and you know they're at the crater, and you know they're all that kind of stuff. I, I, I just I'm not interested in it. It's kind of like with Hostel earlier, where I don't really like the setup, and it's just fun to just get to the carnage. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I I get the appeal. I I do like I said I I love Mick. You know everything he does is just amazing. Yes. I I mean you know come on head on a stick. I head mean, on I mean, a stick. <laughs> That's the one. I, I I mean yeah that you know that is fantastic. You know like I love the way that they play that into the film. It's just I I don't really like the the lead up. So yeah, um, not a fan, but I I do see the uh, the appeal for it. So yeah, I get that. I get where yeah. I come from. Yeah, so we'll move on to number four. Um, like I said earlier, uh, I have a different Rob Zombie film on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, I have the sequel. I have Devil's Rejects. Um, so uh, this is probably I would think right directly behind Lords of Salem is my favorite zombie film. Okay. And yeah, I, I know it's a little weird to say that, uh, you know, my favorite is Lords of Salem because I know that's not really the popular pick. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, this one's um, right up there for me. Uh, I, I love the idea of taking the family out, letting them loose and just do the carnage that had been taking place in the house and, you know, take it national, so to speak, for lack of a better term. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, going out and, you know, I, I mean, the motel sequence is just harrowing. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. It's so yeah, good. That, yeah, that, um, you know, like what they do there, uh, you know, with all the, you know, they, they you know, they, they take the band hostage and, you know, they just keep them there and all, uh, all the stuff that goes on. You know, you get um, Spalding and Firefly just bouncing off of each other and they're just magic together. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love just seeing Sid Haig just tear into somebody. And then, you know, Bill Mosley is just there to be like, you know, yeah, you done fucked up. You know, you're going to get it. And uh, I can't do anything to help you. And it, you know, just like the, the menacing, like, yeah, you're going to die and it's going to be at my time. It's going to be at my convenience. And you can't do a damn. I, I, 
the, to me, this is my favorite interpretation of him. And the way that you incorporate like the rest of the family, like you, you, you know, you, you get mama being, you know, being interrogated by Cordell at the police station, you get tiny just following them along and like being a, you know, like staying at, you know, like following them and all that. And then, you know, you have baby just there to counterbalance everything and just like add like an extra bit of spice to a situation that doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of fun with this one. And like I said, the, the sequence in the motel for me is where this one kind of, places on the list because I could probably make like a stronger case that house fits the topic better but I I like rejects a little bit more and I think the motel sequence puts it on this list just the way that he incorporate and like Otis goes after the 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 one guy and he takes him out to the desert to recapture Mm -hmm. everything and it's like yeah you're gonna die at the end of this I'm just using you you using you to do my dirty work and you know you're not going to come out of it. And, you know, like you get the famous line, you know, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work. And you get that and it's, you know, like it just like sinks in and it's like, you know, now's your time, you know, it's going to happen. And like I said, that whole sequence is to me, I think better than corpses because it fully incorporates like the torture because, you know, it really just displays what the family was capable of. And you put it on a bigger scale than what you did in house even though like i said house would probably fit better um for me my number four is devil's rejects i mean it's a great pick i can't argue with that it's probably an honorable mention for me i love the aesthetic of house of a thousand corpses so maybe i just like that one better i I go back to that one more frequently than i do to devil's rejects but the devil's rejects really goes for it um, the scene in the motel, but also the scene where uh, the the family is trapped and the fire is starting, like, and you're not sure what's going to happen. Like, that scene is really torturous, too. So, yeah, I can't disagree with this pick at all. Rob Zombie knows how to make a nasty film, I'll tell you that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, so uh, number on to our number three. Okay, so, uh, gosh, this is a movie I could gush about for hours. This is 2009, Marcus Dunstan's The Collector. And this is a movie that I want it to get more love. I want it to get more attention. I Listeners obviously don't know this because it's an audio medium, but I'm wearing my Collector t-shirt today in celebration of this discussion. Um, so... I mean, it's a home invasion movie, right? But it's actually sort of two home invasion movies because it follows a guy who's going to break into a house to rob them. But at the same time, there's another guy, the collector, who's breaking into the house to torture the family that lives there. And this is some of the most brutal on-screen violence in like a mainstream film that I think you'll find. Um it's got the green and yellow filters that were really popular around this time, especially in torture porn to make it look really sickly. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of insects, a lot of bugs. The sound design in this movie is a lot of like screeching and screaming. And some of the tortures are just the most creative. Um, It was originally pitched as a prequel to Saw. So a lot of the traps and tortures in this movie feel like they could be in a Saw movie. Marcus Dunstan has writing credits on several of the Saw films, so it it, it tracks. 
but it really does stand on its own as its own little nasty journey. And honestly, this is a movie I'll put on to like comfortably fall asleep to on the couch. I just love the whole vibe of this movie. So uh, my number three is The Collector. All right. Well, um, I will talk about that at a later time. Yes. (laughs) So uh, moving on to my number three, uh, we kind of mentioned Hostel a little earlier, but I want to mention number three as Hostel 2. I actually, I prefer this one wholeheartedly above the original. And I don't really know why because it's essentially the same movie but i find the girls just so much more fun you know they're not as catty they're not as over the top and just vicious and just look like degenerate horn dogs they really seem like a more logical group of friends and for that to happen makes the torture you know inevitably far more compelling and when the torture that goes on in here is creative and brutal and over the top to me that makes for a winning time and as much as i like the the brutality and the nastiness of the first one the ornate and elaborate um, sequences that go on here i mean the marie antoinette kill is just absolutely iconic it's one of my favorite yeah it's one of my favorite kills in the genre and a lot of what goes on in here is built up because of the first act where instead of like in part one, you get just, you know, a bunch of assholes and douchebags that you want to see get killed in gruesome ways here. You're not really in that kind of mindset. You're, you know, sympathetic to everyone because you really like them and you, you like their mentality and their friendship and everything that goes on there. And then you get the fun twist at the end where this one turns it around and you get this fun little inversion where it, actually does come down to who's the highest bidder Mm -hmm. and the way that it kind of just switches everything and you see like you know the 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 guy that you know she's the you know the the other hunter essentially you see what happens to him and you know the fact is well i can pay more well okay have at it you know you're willing to do it i got the money go ahead and like the like the callousness that that happens to is just really fun and when you add that to like I said the fun traps the better characters I much prefer Hostile 2 actually so yeah that's uh, my number three well I will save my thoughts on that for later in this discussion very well we're getting to places of overlap (laughs) yeah kind of (laughs) okay so yeah number two So my number two is my second and final entry in the Saw franchise, and it is Saw 2. From 2005, again directed by Darren Lynn Bousman. So the the thing about Saw 2 is it's actually not one of my favorite sequels. I like a lot of the sequels a lot more than I like Saw 2, but I think it's such an excellent example of the torture porn genre. And... You know, the first Saw film, I think, is its own thing, but the second Saw film sort of sets up the formula that the rest of the franchise will follow. It's like, get a group of people together, put them under some tests, watch them die one by one, and then there's some kind of a, you know, a reveal at the end. And I think, like, the rest of the franchise owes a lot to the second one. Um, 
it looks really good. It's green and gritty. It's in a nasty house that's falling apart. It's got some good traps in it. I mean, the needle pit, the furnace. Like, there's a lot of iconic stuff in it. So even it's not one I go back to a ton, I think a lot of the films that come later owe a lot to it. So, yeah, I had to put Saw 2 on the list as my number two pick. Nice. Yeah. Um, I put this, I kept this as an honorable mention just because I didn't like the idea of putting um, the fran- more franchise entries in here, just like it would overshadow some of the other picks. But yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. Um, I, I really like to um, the house um, idea is really well done. I love the, there's almost two twists with this one, which I actually kind of like, because I like the yeah. fact that the house itself is a twist. And then I like that there's the second twist with the yep. real motivator behind it. So, yeah, I, I really like that idea. And I, I remember really like falling for that the first time it happened, because I think that's, oh, yeah. it, it, it carries itself out pretty well. The traps are far more interesting and brutal than what goes on in the first one, because there's more of them. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, the the idea of what goes on in some of these are, are, are you know pretty terrifying. Um, I mean, you know, the ball pit, the the needle pit is one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the the razor box is just absolutely harrowing. Oh I, yeah, oh yeah, that I, one. Oof. Yeah, that one. Really, <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. And then uh, you know, get like all of the fun little dynamics and interplay that goes on over who's going to be the leader and who's going to be the one that takes charge. Uh, I really like that dynamic yes. in here. So yeah, it was a contender for the list, but because I didn't like the franchise on the list uh because i figured you know like the saw films would be pretty big and popular and there would be more than enough to fill it out even though i can't mm-hmm. really remember them i i kind of just made it an honorable mention but yeah i, I really like too as well it's a lot of fun yeah i think that's fair enough all right so uh we'll move on to number two and i think we can gush because it's the collector <laughs> Yes, yeah. I'm so glad this movie's on your list and so high up. Yeah, the, this was so much fun. Um, it, Like you said, it's two home invasion films, and that's interesting because you never really get that idea. You always get just the one. And then you have like the second and then like the second home invasion is actually a fun little twist in it. There's this great cat and mouse stuff that goes on because it's all about, you know, the traps not being used to torture him. The traps are being used to capture him and he's being used mm-hmm. to you know like he's like the whole thing is being done to like satisfy the strange killer's like desires but he's using them to capture him and you know like, bring him under his control so he can actually do that whereas a lot of the other films it's just everybody's already been captured and they're being you know put through these things to you know like escape or you know inevitably they die but you know okay sera, sera. Mm-hmm. here it's all about the traps being used to, you know, trap a person and, you know, capture them and being used for later. And I, I really like that idea. And it leads to some really fun sequences. I mean, like the the human fly trap with the sticky thing on the floor. Oh, uh, that one is. Oh, that's brutal. I love it, though. Yeah, that that is just really, really cool. Um, You know, the the sequence with the. Uh, oh, God, the, the, the broken glass or um, they have like the. I don't remember if it's the uh, broken glass or if it's the um, the crushed up um, the, the the crushed up metal that he was uh, delivering. I don't remember which one it was, but the the one where he's it's after he gets out of the 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 fly trap, but he's forced to like walk through that hallway and he's got all the, the oh, broken glass. Yeah, 
I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Oh, that is brutal. Yeah. Ugh. I, I mean, there's it, the the creativity in here is pretty high up for it, like being confined to the house. Yeah. And then you have the the daughter that comes home and she's trying to sneak her boyfriend in, not knowing that either of them are there, and everybody's trying to like get at her. Oh, yeah, it's it's really fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, yeah, the, the I I love the setup. I love the you know whole idea of him like you know, being this criminal that. He, you know, he has to try to save her, even though he's a scumbag himself. He's trying to just get the money and get out. But yeah, um, I am a huge fan of the collector. I, I really like it, and I, I'm dying that we don't have part three. Um, oh my god, I need it. I, like I wake yeah. up every day because we might get a collected. You know, like I, I need this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have had part. I would have had the collection on here if, you know, it fell within the scope, but it's 2012. So yeah, same. Yeah. I kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I really like part two as well. I mean, the idea of, you know, like you said, you know, if this is house of a thousand corpses, I think that's devil's rejects where it takes it out and makes it yes. bigger and grander and you do it on a grander scale. Yeah. yeah that's a fun idea. So oh. yeah. Um, yeah. My number two is the collector. I am so happy to find <laughs> another fan. I think that's wonderful. Okay, we're down to number one. It's the moment of truth. Yeah. And so um, if you've been playing along at home, you might have guessed that my number one is 2007 Eli Roth's Hostel 2. <laughs> so I've got Eli Roth opening and closing my list, which is interesting. Um, I agree with a ton of what you said. I think this is a better movie overall than Hostel, and I think it's a better example of torture porn because it has more kills and torture and brutality throughout, whereas in the first Hostel film, we really have to wait for that. We really like the victims in Hostel 2, so we care more about what's happening to them. They're also a lot smarter about what's happening to them. I like that, you know, like we were just talking about with the Devil's Rejects, Hostel 2 shows the greater reach of the elite hunting club. Like, we know it's a global reach in the first movie, but in the second movie, you really see it because you see people all over the world bidding on these kills. It says a lot about capitalism, especially with the fact that the way that it ends is a commentary on capitalism and like I, I think it does a way better job of social commentary um, than the first movie. And we spend some time with the people who have bid on victims. And that's really scary, too. Like some of the most terrifying scenes in Hostel 2 are the two guys who are going there to kill, just chatting about it, just getting ready to do it and just casually talking about it like they're planning a work meeting. So I think Hostel 2 is my number one torture porn film of the 2000s. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, uh, I <laughs> don't know what else to say, but uh, I mean, I had it on my list as well. So. Heck yes. Yeah. All right. So um, this one, my number one, um, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, if it was in passing so briefly, um, I don't uh, blame you for not uh, catching on. But uh, yeah, my number one is Martyrs. Um, I, I mean, damn. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, the thing I love about this one is it plays 
the torture porn role in two separate areas because we get the first half of this, which is the harrowing and just absolutely brutal torture on the girls. And, you know, like we see all the, you know, the usual traps that go on here where it's just, you know, like continuous and over the top and just absolutely brutal and graphic and you know, it takes place, you know, you got the dirty dungeon where everything goes on. You've got all the, you know, the usual trappings. And then you've got all like the religious fanaticism that they throw at them while they're engaging in all this. And it's, you know, like, I mean, that would be harrowing enough as it is. And then you get the second half where, you know, it turns into like the, the rape revenge trope where they're going out and they're taking everything back themselves and they're taking the power on themselves and getting revenge on what's going on. And then it just, yeah, it, it's just so fun, and it yeah, it weird to say fun, but I mean for what it is, yeah, it's bleak, yeah, it's brutal, yeah, it's depressing, and it has it, to me, I think one of the most heart wrenching endings I've ever seen in the genre. I mean, mm-hmm. like with um, Inside, where it just it it ends on a gut punch. I mean, this thing ends on a real utter gut punch, but yeah, like existentially. It, yeah, I, I mean, it's not just like you know, wow, it's like inside everything kind of just like you know plays out and it just ends on a you know wham and you know wow okay cool and you see here and it you know i'll, I'll say this it ties into the theme of the title if you know what that means mm-hmm. you know yeah that you know that that's a gut punch but to me the this is just one of the most underrated films i've ever in the decade i i don't understand why it's not held up as one of the 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 major major films of this era i i mean it you can you know you can say it's a well-made film i mean it looks great everything is exactly what it should be it's grim dark oppressive just absolutely brutal and grab yeah I mean, oh gosh, what can I say about Martyrs that hasn't been said? I run in a lot of extreme horror circles, even though I'm not a big extreme horror person myself. It's an absolutely amazing. Exactly, yeah. You don't really get that often, but when it does, it's magic. And that's what, for me, this one is. Yeah, it's not necessarily, you know, an, an easy watch, but it's fun for this kind of style because it's exactly what you want it to be. It's over the top and it's all about the torture and for me that makes it my number one i mean martyrs is what can i say about martyrs that hasn't already been said i it is an amazing film from a filmmaking perspective from a story perspective and i run in a lot of extreme horror circles even though i'm not a big extreme film fan myself like i'm a lot more mainstream extreme And I feel like I hear it come up a lot in those circles, but you're right. I don't hear a ton of, you know, people like horror fans who like a lot of stuff that we've already talked about necessarily talking about martyrs. And I don't know if it's just because it's French or because there was an American remake that I hear isn't very good. I haven't seen it myself. I haven't bothered. Um, But I think martyrs is definitely one of the most important new French extremity films and, um, if I hadn't excluded New French Extremity from my list, it definitely would have been on there. Yeah, I think what you said about understanding what the word martyrs means, like that gives a whole nother level to the film. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with this pick. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I understand your exclusion. I mean, yeah. if, you know, if we would have, you know, set parameters, 
I may not which have. Which we didn't, which yeah, is totally so, fair. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand your exclusion, but, uh, I, I mean, you know, to me, this was kind of a, like, it was martyrs, and then how do I shape the list, so. <laughs> yes, fair, totally yeah. fair enough, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess this will uh, conclude us, so. Thank you so much. This was uh, as much fun as I thought it would be. Yes, thank you so much. It, I mean, yes, it was great to get to gush about some films that I love. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So uh, before we leave, do we have any um, lasting honorable mentions just to throw out and shine a light on, even if they're uh, not list worthy? So we mentioned most of mine, but I do want to say I think Frontiers is my favorite of the big four French movies that you mentioned like I know you said Frontiers was your least favorite I really really like it um so I think it's worth a watch it's another Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake (laughs) well uh to say least favorite I I still think highly of it it's just I I yeah I I, put it in perspective if I think uh, the other three are like nines or above I think Frontiers is like an eight eight and a half totally yeah so that makes sense uh, yeah like I mean it eight and a half really good but yes like I they said, all the other rule three, yeah like you know the other three are like nine or above whereas this one to me is like eight eight and a half so I, yeah. that's kind of like where i'm coming from i could see that um another film i wanted to mention i wasn't quite sure it fit the parameters but p2 from 2007 have you seen that one yeah that's the parking garage one right it is yeah it, I, I don't know if it, it really fits. Uh, I, I mean, there's the one sequence where he holds her captive to the chair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you can probably make a case. Uh, I, I mean, it would pro- I don't know if I would have put it under if I would have thought about it. I mean, it's yeah. not one that really leaps to mind. But I, I, I do enjoy the film. I do like it. It's just, like I said, not one that really jumps to mind when I think, you know, like the, the genre at hand. I think that right. would have been my problem. I totally get that. Um, I think it's nasty and it's of the time period. So if you want something maybe torture porn adjacent, check out P2. But it's not quite one that should have made the list, I think. But yeah, otherwise, we've mentioned all my honorable mentions. What about you? Yeah, um, I mean, a couple of mine were already mentioned. Um, The one that I I do want to bring up and one that I actually really like Another one, um, uh, like I said, under the radar, called Skeleton Crew. I oh. I believe it's Norwegian or Finnish. I don't recall. I, I want to say Norway, but uh, I, I'm not 100% on that. But uh, in any event, it's about a uh, film crew that's uh, shooting this low-budget horror movie. And they realized that the location that they're shooting was the home of this uh, doctor from, I believe, um, like one of the escape points from like one of the World War II doctors in the concentration camps. He was one of the hiding places that he used to escape the trials. And they find his diary journals and they start incorporating a lot of what goes on in there into the movie. And eventually the director starts snapping and thinks that he's actually recreating the experiments in the journals. So, you know, it goes on from there. But, uh, yeah, it's not one that I see talked about a lot, but it was one that kind of uh, fit in with this. So uh, just, you know, like I said, wanted to give a quick little shout out to that. Um, 
I also yeah. really remember. I also I've really not remember, seen that, so I I need to see that. Yeah, um, like I, I remember watching it once, and I, I do remember liking it. So, um, like I said, it's either Norwegian or Finnish. My mind says Norway for some reason. Okay, but I'll find um, it. Uh, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm confusing that with Dead Snow. Maybe it is Finland. Um, oh yeah, Dead Snow. I, I, like I said, my, my, my mind's like confusing things. Maybe maybe Dead Snow is Norway. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of like Dead Snow from Norway and this is Finland. I I, I don't know. Um, I'd have to rewatch okay. it. But, um, we can Google it. Yeah, Listeners, don't yeah, come at us. We're gonna figure yeah, it out. <laughs> like I said, it's called Skeleton Crew, and uh, if yes. you find one that's similar to that plot, go ahead and that's the one. Um, also, I actually really liked um, the supposed Terror Train remake, just called Train, which was the uh, the train ride that's the secret organ harvesting cults. I've not um, seen that either, man. We were doing so good. I had seen everything that you mentioned, but now here we are, and I got to put movies on my list, which is great, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember liking that, but I haven't seen it, so it wasn't one that I put on my list. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of why I left it as honorable mention because it was one that I hadn't um, seen in a while, but I do remember liking it. So, okay. Um, yeah, um, just leave that. Um, I mean, and I can mention any of the you know Saw sequels, but uh, of course. Yeah, we'll uh, call it there. So, uh, yeah, like I said, this was a lot of fun. So let everybody know where they can uh, find you and your work online. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Ari underscore Hellraiser and at Letterbox at the same name. And check out my work on Ghoul's Magazine. It's a UK-based website where we celebrate horror through the female perspective. And we do review a lot of nasty stuff. So if you came to this podcast because you were like, ooh, I like this nasty topic, definitely check out Ghoul's Magazine because you'll find a lot to like there. Nice. All right. Uh, yeah, I will have everything linked down below in the show notes for you to uh, check out. So thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Ari, for joining us. And we will see you next time with a new topic. Until then. <laughs>